Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. I'm John Cavanaugh, and I serve as an elder and a shepherd and deacon here in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. God, our refuge and our hope, come among us today to give us energy and purpose. Move us beyond the discipline of the law and the discipleship of faith. Free us from the shackles of fear and a sense of failure to keep us from stepping heavily into your future. Grant us a sense that we are not alone, but a part of our great company of your faithful people out of every nation and tongue. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Shall we stand for the call to worship? Come, sing praises to God. Rejoice in his presence, for he is our God. Father to the fatherless, a defender of all, the one in whom the lonely find a home, and all of us find release. Bless the Lord, the God of salvation, who sustains and strengthens us day after day. Let us worship God together. God knows us intimately. There is nowhere we can go that is apart from him and nothing that can separate us from his love for us in Christ Jesus. When we confess our sins, it is not God who discovers our sinfulness, but rather it is our eyes that are open to the presence of those sins and we begin the journey toward healing and reconciliation. So let us confess our sins to God confident in his amazing love. Almighty and sovereign God, we confess that we have broken covenant with you, despised some of your children, and accused you of forgetting us. Our lives do not praise you. Our actions deny you. Our work is carried out with reference to you. We draw lines of distinction among ourselves rather than celebrating our common humanity. We are zealous for the faith. We trample on others rather than learning to know and appreciate them. Oh God, forgive us and change us. Amen. Scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our God fulfills his promise and is true to his word. We have confessed our sins. Therefore, God has forgiven us 
who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, believe in the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now, with believers down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbor. Good morning to you all. Happy Father's Day. Whether you're a father, grandfather, or a coach, or a mentor, you all are fathers, so let's give the men in our uh, audience a wonderful round of applause. <laughs> and did you notice that building going up uh, since last Sunday? We're making progress. What a wonderful day, beautiful day. We're glad you're here. There are some things we want to just quickly run by. First of all, uh, here comes the subject peanut butter, but it's flowing in and we need some more. So bring some more jars whenever you can. And also, uh, just to remind you that uh, the Day of Hope is a little over a month away. And we do need things like socks and children's uh, and adult-sized toothbrushes, which you can purchase. Uh, as well as toothpaste. Also, we're a little bit, uh, quite a bit short still on the number of ambassadors uh, who are one of the key instruments in showing people around. So if you are willing to donate and volunteer, please see Dottie and Bill at the desk uh, out by the tree. Vacation Bible School just ended, and uh, we're going to have a little more to say about that. But uh, the important uh, group that we want to uh, identify in a moment is the Sarasota Young Voices who just left on their summer tour to uh, New Orleans. Keep them in your prayers as they travel. Also, you notice that our violinist could not be with us this morning. Of all things for a violinist to get, it's tendonitis. And <clears throat> so that, uh, we, we got a pianist, a great pianist instead of a violinist today. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
And then uh, we want to also remind you that uh, it's important to pass that guest book uh, from time to time as you move through, uh, as it moves through the pews. That's important for us. Thank you for doing that. And then uh, finally, um, we are going to have a wonderful time of our kids who are going to be heading out uh, uh, on a mission trip. And I'm going to ask Lori and the group, where are they? They're right over there. Get them to come over. Oh, Let's come okay. and have, uh, PBS is going on still. Come on over. Come right up here. We want to just stand up in the front. If you're going on that middle school mission trip, and as you guys are getting in place, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. In the gospel of Mark, Jesus calls us to go and to tell the good news to everyone, everywhere. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit to be with us. And in the gospel of John, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So what is a mission? A mission is sending forth people somewhere to serve. God sends people on a mission. What is a commission? It is granting authority, allowing us to act on behalf of one another. God commissions people to go for him. So I have these four questions for this middle school mission trip. Um, attendees and the adults that are going with them, and here's your first question. Do you recognize your mission of being sent forth by God to a specific service? Do you accept your assignment as a commission from God to go and act on his behalf, and do you accept the responsibility of representing Church of the Palms in doing the work of our Lord in Lakeland, Florida? Will you work to demonstrate Christ's teaching by loving one another and by translating Christ's message with excitement and care, turning strangers into friends and friends into brothers and sisters? Do you commit yourselves to, to serving faithfully on this trip in ways that bring honor and glory to God? Will you serve with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? treasuring your experiences as opportunities to learn and to grow. Great. Let us pray. Guiding and loving God, empower these people to be your hands and feet. Help them to glorify you by serving others. By their actions and words, make them witnesses of your great love and your passion for your people. Protect them teach them, and support them as they take this next step in their own journey to becoming the people that you want them to be. Fill them with the Holy Spirit and enable them to do their tasks faithfully and joyfully. Bring them safely home and then let their experience further enrich us so that we too will glorify you by serving our community in the love of Christ. Amen.
now I'd like to ask our new members to come forward for our time of recognition. We have been really blessed this month. We have 14 new members, six in this service and eight in the 11 o'clock service. Isn't this a great group? So as I introduce you, please raise your hand so everyone can put together names and faces. Um, Amy Williams, Harrison Button, Ryan, Caitlin, and Finley Reed, <laughs> Seth and Erica Johnson. Now if you would please turn around and face me, I'll ask you our four questions. Who is your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Wonderful. Let's all welcome our newest brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us pray. Our holy and loving God, how we praise and thank you that you love each of us beyond our comprehension. Thank you that you know us each by name and are so personally involved with us that you even know the number of hairs on our heads. We give you thanks today for these wonderful disciples who have joined our family of faith. We give you thanks also for the progress on our new Palm Center and for the awesome Vacation Bible School that touched the lives of so many children and helped them know more about you this past week, and for all the ways you were at work in and through us. Because of your amazing love and grace toward us, we have the courage to come to you and ask for your intervention in the difficult issues of our lives, especially the ones that hurt too deeply for words. We trust you to meet our needs in the way that you know is for our highest good. We pray also for our nation in the world, for peace, for true equality and justice, where everyone has the basic needs of life fulfilled and the freedom to worship you and to pursue all the wonderful opportunities that you provide in your good creation. And now, oh God, we join our hearts and voices in praying the prayer that our dear Savior Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you very much. You can be seated. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad. And welcome to you, Finley. Welcome, welcome. And now let us continue our worship with a presentation of our tithes and offerings.
as we offer our treasure and hearts to you, O God. May they be used to pass on the promise of hope, of peace, of life, of community to all in need of your gifts and presence in their lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment. Best we could to be quiet back there. Whew. But this week, we had like 130 little people all over this campus. It was amazing. And we had like, I don't know, 60 adults and teen volunteers that were helping with all these guys. And we got some of them to come back, and they're all going to stand up. And we are going to teach you what we learned this week, each of the days. And then we're going to sing our theme song. But we want to let you know that we raised almost $400 and 1,000 books for kids at Booker that these kids brought in as a part of their VBS experience every day. So you guys are all going to stand up because we're going to try to show you what we, what we learned. You. Wow, God. On Tuesday, we learned from Tina Termite that God is for you. Wow, God. On Wednesday, from Bubba, we learned that God is always with you. Wow, God. On Thursday, from Skylar, we learned that God will always love you. Wow, God. All right, one more super loud. From Abby on Friday, we learned God made you for a reason. Wow, God. Now we would like to teach you our theme song that we sang every single day.
Yeah, just a reminder that uh, the new members will be out in uh, just outside the uh, door here, and uh, we trust you'd come by, welcome them, and greet them. I was telling uh, Lori, and she and I were joking the other day that uh, I think the Presbyterian uh, councils sometimes have a great sense of humor. Uh, if you recall, her sermon was on uh, Mother's Day and was on circumcision. <laughs> and my sermon from the lexicon is on old Sarah having a baby. <laughs> Well, the Lord does stimulate us to think creatively, right? I want to read from the uh, scriptures of the day. First in Genesis chapter 17, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah. I will bless her and moreover, I will give, give a son to her. And then you will bless the nations and kings and people shall come from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And then over in chapter 18, the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks. And as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, he looked up and saw three men standing near him. And he saw them and he ran from the tent to meet them and bowed down and said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be bought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves. And Abraham did that, and hastened into the tent, and said to Sarai, Make quick, ready, three measures. And he ran to the herd, and took a calf tender, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. And he took the calf that he prepared, and set it before him, and stood by them under the tree while they ate. And they said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, uh, they're in the tent. And then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent. And Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. And so Sarah laughed to herself as she listened. And she said, I have grown old. I have no pleasure. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she laugh when I said that she shall bear a child? Is anything too hard for the Lord? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? <laughs> Let your Holy Spirit permeate our time together and these lips and it have it redound to what you would desire us all to hear. We pray this in the name of our Lord. Amen. There are many ways to categorize people. We all know that, right? This person is uh, conservative, uh, this person is liberal, this friend is idealistic, head in the sky, and the other's pragmatic, just the facts. And while I'm at it, this one, uh, uh, this group uh, loves uh, Michigan uh, sports and this one doesn't. <laughs> uh, don't tell Steve I said that, please. <clears throat> Last week, I was with a wonderful little lady, Ruth Pierce, many of you know her, and her friends and family threw a surprise party for her 102nd birthday. And when the balloons and the cake were delivered and the people said, surprise, her reaction was, wonderful, I can't believe it. This is great, 102, here I come. Ruth loves surprises. <clears throat> My cousin did not like surprises. <clears throat> time and time again, <clears throat> she would say, don't ever surprise me, I hate them. Well, a couple of her friends who didn't believe her decided to test it one day, and they put a box of presents on the sofa table in front of her. And she opened it, and you know, a little musical jingle started playing, and pop goes, and a clown came out. Well, that test blew their assumptions about her, 
and she screamed and banged it on the sofa table until it broke. My, my cousin hated surprises. I was reading an article by a surpriseologist. Did you know there was such a creature? There is. One who was delving into the love-hate relationship of uh, people uh, and their surprises. And she wrote, these events that we don't expect are for some an experience of wonder. For others, they are startled by anything good or bad. These experiences to them are frightening and to be avoided. Well, I'm not a surpriseologist, but I know this, that we all sometimes experience things that we would classify as unexpected events. Some people put this in their bucket of life's sweet mysteries. Others who prefer uh, routine uh, can be thrown off balance and react with disbelief or with skepticism. And that brings us back to this story that we read this morning, a story about a surprise, a big surprise. The story about a married couple, Abram and Sarai, who were getting on in years. Uh, they were nomads. They moved around with their cattle to provide uh, grazing for them. Years ago, God had asked them to move to a new land. And they, he promised, I will make of you a great nation. However, that was years ago. And no child came to Sarai. And in her desperation to give Abram an heir, she asked him to father a child with Hagar, the maid. But the plan for that child was not God's plan. And we know in history how that story unfolded. Now more years have come and gone, and Abram and Sarai are now 99 and 95. They're at the time of life when most of us would have downsized, sold the big house, gotten rid of stuff that is no longer needed, and settled into an easier lifestyle. Like Sarai, we would not be uh, contemplating having a baby. Oh yes, there was that matter of that promise, I will make of you a great nation, but they had probably forgotten about it by then, or at least they weren't talking about it anymore. And then years later, the Lord appears again to Abram and Sarai and initiates a divine renaming ceremony. God changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. That was something big in the Hebrew tradition, for it meant a change in who that person was and in what that person would do and become. The old name Abram meant exalted father. The new name Abraham means father of many. By changing his name, God set Abraham aside as his servant with a special destiny to be the father of a great nation through which he would bless the earth. And the same with Sarai, whose name meant originally my princess. He changed it to Sarah, meaning mother of nations. God told Abraham that Sarah would have a baby, and as we read in the scripture, that she would become the mother of nations. And Abraham's reaction, you read it, he fell down to the ground on his face and he laughed. And then a little later in the midday heat, as Abraham sits in the shade at the opening of his tent, three strangers appear out of nowhere. And as was the custom, Abraham welcomed the strangers and offered hospitality. And as they sat, one of the strangers asked, by the way, where is Sarah? Now, how did the stranger know her name? It's the Lord. And then the Lord said, I'll return, and when I do, she'll have a baby. Now, here's that surprise talk again. Sarah, inside the tent preparing the food, was listening. And when the stranger got to the part about her having a baby, she could not contain herself. She laughed. I can almost imagine her thoughts. So like a man to be talking so confidently, so nonsensically about a matter he obviously doesn't know much about. And her reaction, no way. I'm not buying into that surprise. What is the meaning of Abraham and Sarah's laughter? What made them laugh? Or for that matter, what makes any of us laugh? What constitutes humor? 
Commentators have spoken often of Abraham and Sarah's humor, and I know of at least one book that has been written on it. The key point here, though, is that the Hebrew word for laugh in this passage is different than most of the other words for laugh or laughter in the scriptures. In most instances, the word for laugh literally means delight and joy. However, in this passage, the Hebrew word va literally means forced joy. In other words, their laughter is not from a source of joy, but something else, incredulity and unbelief. When I was in graduate school, I took a course on humor, and yes, they offer humor in graduate school. And in most of the theories about humor, two elements are present that make something funny, incongruity and surprise. Incredulity is when the humorist puts together two or more things that are contradictory. Surprise is when that person introduces into the joke something in the narrative, idea, event, a person that is unexpected. It's incongruity and surprise together, joined, that lie behind the humor of a lot of comedians that we hear and have heard these days. One example, Woody Allen. When asked if he believed in an afterlife, Woody Allen said, no, I don't, but I'm taking along an extra pair of underwear just in case. <laughs> that is incongruity and surprise joining together in humor. But this is not the case with Abraham and Sarah's uh, reaction. Behind their laughter is an attitude, not of surprise, but of incongruity and unbelief. We've all experienced examples of this, haven't we? A laugh that is the reaction of someone who is bitter about something, hoping that we will reinforce that with our own laughter. I believe that does represent Sarah's laughter. She's heard this story before, for the last 24 years to be exact, and now in her 90s and Abraham nearly 100, Sarah has long since given up on the hope. She can laugh at the preposterousness the incongruity of, a, of an old woman having a baby, one foot in the grave and one foot in the maternity ward. <laughs> Sarah expected no surprises from God, no novelty, no violations of the world she'd grown accustomed to. And when Sarah laughs, she's laughing to someone, a, a laugh of someone who does not believe that God can fulfill that promise. And with feeling, she shouts from the tent, I did not laugh. And what did the Lord say? Yes, you did laugh. Have you ever thought about how embarrassing it would be if your thoughts were heard, even if you didn't speak them? So whatever you were thinking somehow was broadcast for everyone to hear. When I go out that, uh, to that door, uh, instead of great sermon pastor, uh, you might be saying out loud, I thought it would never end. <laughs> God has heard Sarah's thoughts, and this is no ordinary stranger. And even though Sarah shouted from her tent, I did not laugh, the Lord knew differently. Without even turning in her direction, he said, yes, you did laugh. And then these words, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and you will have a son. Sarah tried to cover up her laughter, but that didn't work with the Lord who knew every thought and intention of her heart. When we really don't believe, do we, like Sarah, demote God from his place of sovereign power and promote ourselves? Are our ears, like Sarah's, closed to the Lord's next words? Is anything too hard? Sarah laughed when God did not. It wasn't a laughing matter to the Lord. I think that all of us struggle with this problem at times. We're all human. Perhaps like Abram and Sarah, we pray for something that has not happened according to our belief of how it should be. We feel that life is passing us by while we wait. We struggle with doubt, wondering if our prayers are really being heard. For those of us who have suffered some tragedy, we may have wondered, where was God when this happened? Maybe it's a family problem that has dragged on for years, and you wonder, why doesn't God do something? 
why doesn't he answer? It's then, I think, that we are tempted to settle into a kind of predictab uh, predictability that we call the norm. And from that place in our hearts, we manage our spiritual lives. Instead of looking with hope at the thought that God's mercies are new every morning, open to wonderful surprises, we replace that thought with one that says, you know, I don't really want the promise of newness. I'm at the point where I don't want anything new. I want my slippers right underneath my bed when I wake. I want my muffin, my orange juice, and my breakfast. And at this point in my life, I can do without any surprises. The Lord's words to Sarah is anything too difficult for the Lord, I believe speaks to any of us who struggle with doubt or unbelief in God's promises. How could anything be too difficult for the Lord? who spoke the universe into existence? How could anything be too difficult for the Lord who was tempted as we were and yet overcame the doubts brought by the tempter? Reflect with me for a moment. Is there something in this story that the Lord wants to teach you, me, us? Is he perhaps bringing us to the end of our human strength and will lead us to trust in his ability to do the impossible when we're at that point? or possibly not answering us because our faith may have become something based on habit and routine rather than wonder and expectation of what he can do when we fully trust him. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Remember, this is not the only surprise in the Bible. The Bible is full of a God of surprises, a God who time and time again comes to his people when they have given up and when they've concluded that, that this is all there is, or they're forgotten, a God who comes particularly when their backs are against the wall and their hearts are full of fear, a God who surprisingly confronts evil and overcomes it when their backs are against the wall, who binds up wounds and strengthens hearts, a God for whom nothing is too difficult. What could be more surprising than God coming into the world in the birth of a child, born of humble parents, in the insignificant village of Bethlehem? What could be more surprising than the existence of a man who taught so brilliantly, healed so lovingly, reached out to the marginalized so graciously, and died so courageously? And then the greatest surprise of all, defeating death. What can be more surprising than an angry, bitter man determined to kill Christians, suddenly turning around and spreading the news of the gospel around the then known world? As he did with Abraham and Sarah, Saul's new God-given name, Paul, transformed the church and wrote letters that continue to challenge and inspire us in our journey with Christ. We know that God's surprises do not stop with the close of the scriptures. They go on and on, right up to this minute. I'm gonna give an illustration, like my friend, Phil Bliss, my predecessor. Phil and Marguerite's son, David, at an early age, began using and selling drugs, despite the godly parenting. And for 17 years, was heavily addicted, losing his family, his job, his home, even being kicked out of Phil and Marguerite's home. But Phil and Marguerite never lost faith. They kept praying and turned their son totally over to the Lord. And they said, Lord, the only thing that could ever keep David from killing himself is you. They believed that nothing was too difficult for God. And believing that, they saw David put his life back together, get his family back, become a pastor. And in about three hours, moved to the pulpit and preached to his thriving congregation in California. And I know that many of you could tell us about the ways you've experienced God somehow coming out of nowhere with an unexpected and wonderful breakthrough in your life, even when you thought it was lost. God making some amazing things far beyond human capability happen. Again, I ask, is there anything too hard for God? If you answer yes, and our worlds constrict, our universe closes, and God 
sin becomes really no longer fully God to us. Life, yes, is manageable, but sooner or later we become like Sarah in the tent, in the face of disappointment and in the incongruities that we experience. If that answer is yes, then some things are just simply too difficult for God. Then have we concluded that God is not fully God? Have we decided to live in a closed universe where everything is stable and reliable, but spiritually disappointing? However, if we answer no, nothing is too difficult for God, and put our full faith and heart into his keeping, the possibilities could be endless. God is radically free to keep his promises despite the odds. If the answer is no, we have taken a leap of faith and decided to live in a world that is full of possibility and hopefulness and life and surprises. Well, let's complete this story. Let's fast forward to the surprise. Sarah does get pregnant, have a child, and names the child Isaac. Do you know the meaning of Isaac? It is laughter. Sarah laughs again and says, God has brought laughter to me. But now it's a different laughter. It's joyful laughter at the surprising, unpredictable, unlike grace of God. The Lord invites us to do the same. And I pray that each one of us in this room and in the TV audience who follows the Lord will experience at least one event in life that, ha that defies logic and can have no other explanation but God. That we will experience of God a promise and wonderful surprises who will make a way where there seems to be no way. A God who precisely when we're afraid, resigned and without hope settling into predictability will come with new possibilities. A God so surprising that we are enabled to live our lives with the release and the joyful laughter he intends. A God for whom nothing is impossible.
again we wish the surprise of God to be blessing your lives in some way or another as we leave this sanctuary. And again, we thank the fathers for your wonderful contribution to our lives and our development. And now, may the graciousness of God and the love of the Son and the blessing of the Holy Spirit be upon all of us as we leave and as we sing your praises in our hearts. Amen. Thank you.